Dead man. Dead man walking. We got a dead man walking here. Hello and welcome to episode 3 of our Dead Man Walking podcast mini-series. This series is designed to get us thinking deeper about the scripture from our time in worship together at our Christ Community locations. On every Sunday morning, Blake or Bobby or whoever it is that was up on stage will go over a section of scripture, lead us with a, a sermon, get us thinking, get us convicted, and this is to supplement us during the week. So maybe you're listening at work, in the car, maybe while you're working out, or you're just at home. Wherever you are, thank you for listening, and I hope this conversation keeps those wheels turning. Just remember, Philippians 4.8 tells us, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So let us get into today's episode. We will be talking with someone who has a unique perspective on the section of Scripture for the week. And today, it's my pleasure to introduce you to a very close friend of mine, someone I've known since we were in the sixth grade, someone that helped set up my first date with my wife, and someone who I respect greatly. He's an, actually an emergency room physician in Lexington, Kentucky, and the medical director there, uh, a father of two boys and soon-to-be little girl, and a fellow believer. Um, I'd like to introduce everyone to Dr. Brad Buckingham. Hey, Daniel. Thanks so much for having me on. It's, uh, I'm, I'm glad to do this. No, thank you so much. Uh, I know you're traveling and on the road, um, you know, with a busy job and a busy schedule. Um, but it, this shouldn't take too long. But uh, again, I do appreciate you taking the time to do this. Yeah, glad to. Um, one of the perks of being an ER doctor is that um, the randomness of the schedule does allow um, random times off. <laughs> <laughs> so um, my my schedule is pretty nice in what I do. I, I work about. 11 or 12 shifts a month they are 12 hour shifts but when you look at it that way i have um yeah what, 18 or 19 days off a month so hey not too bad yeah but it's a high stress job so you kind of need those days off there's no doubt yeah <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, so let's get into the section of scripture that we covered over this past week um, at Christ Community, and we've been reading over John chapter 20. Um, I'm going to read the first 18 verses, and then I'm going to ask a few questions and um, allow you to elaborate on some things from your unique perspective in your career. So beginning in chapter 20, verse 1, it says, Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to... Si went to Simon Peter, the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came in, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen clothes lying there, and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped in to look 
into the tomb and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of jesus had lain one at the head and one at the feet they said to her woman why are you weeping she said to them they have taken away my lord and i do not know where they have laid him having said this she turned around and saw jesus standing but she did not know that it was jesus jesus said to her woman why are you weeping whom are you seeking supposing him to be a gardener she said to him sir if you have carried him away tell me where you have laid him and i will take him away jesus said to her mary she turned and said to him in aramaic rabbani which means teacher jesus said to her do not cling to me for i have not yet ascended to the father but go to my brothers and say to them i am ascending to my father and your father to my god and your god mary magdalene went and announced to the disciples i have seen the lord and that he had said these things to her all right, so there's a there's a lot to digest in this section of scripture, but I I really do just want to focus on uh, a couple of things here with you um, today, Brad. So we've come to a point where Jesus has just conquered death. He was dead on the cross. He had died while hanging there. There's all kinds of scientific discoveries and and. Uh, rationalizations to explain how Jesus died and the things that he experienced during his death. Uh, he was put in a tomb. The tomb was sealed and closed. And then here we now have disciples and Mary Magdalene who have come to the tomb to care for his body and find that he is not there. And Mary Magdalene eventually sees Jesus. My first question to you as a medical professional, how do you rationalize, rationalize this part of the gospel? Does your career and education make your faith stronger in reading these things and help you understand what we read in just a deeper sense? How do you process the the death, burial, and resurrection um, for Jesus? Uh, yeah, Daniel. That, thanks for these uh, uh, these questions. They are th these are some some deep questions and um, can make you think a lot um, about how to respond to them. Um, I would say that the fact that there's illness and our bodies get sick is a reminder of the sin that entered the Garden of Eden, where everything was perfect to start. It was never meant to be this way. Everything on this side of heaven is now marred, and the fact that our bodies need healing is symbolic of the fact that our souls do too, and uh, healthcare providers are needed because illness is here. Uh, Jesus came because sin entered in. And it makes me thankful that in the new heavens and the new earth, my job will be obsolete. Uh, and I, I think that we currently live in such a culture of hyperbole and trivialization that the routine receives outlandish adjectives. Um, and it seems that not many things are taken seriously. But when death occurs, there's no mistaking it, especially after two nights in a tomb. Dead is dead. And I think that is partly why it is said of uh, Simon Peter and John that, quote, they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead, end quote. Uh, to see a miracle like this must have been unbelievable. Uh, and truly no physician could accomplish a, a resurrection except the great physician. Um, I really wonder what it was like for the apostle physician Luke to have heard the news. Oh, that's a that's a really good point and perspective to to take on. Um, do you do you read that gospel differently at all? Do you think, man, as a physician, I see where he's coming from at all? Um, I think I do think about that fact when I read it, but also, but I, I think about the more so the fact that Luke is such a good historian. He is an excellent historian uh, in his um, in his letter. 
and um, he presents it so matter-of-factly, which, as I think about it, that's exactly what we do as physicians. When we see patients um, and we hear their story, we um, we use that information in their story to come up with the right treatment, the right test to do, um, and especially in this day and age, documentation is, is hugely important. So we uh, document a note on their encounter with us uh, from start to finish, and it has to be objective. It ha- um, there has to be good objective information in it. And so I, I think Luke probably being a, a person who is who uh, was highly detailed, um, I imagine so, highly detailed, kind of the kind of person that dots all the I's and crosses all the T's correctly. Um, I just, I see that when I, when I read his letter. Uh, very cool. Very cool. Um, you know, you, you touched on the fact that, you know, you understand, you know, dead is dead and it was hard for them to comprehend. And I appreciate you calling out the part where it says they, they did not understand what they were experiencing. Um, because mm-hmm. it's, it's a foreign thing, um, for you as, as a physician and just in the medical community in general, do you feel like, you know, knowing that Jesus conquers death and that goes outside of the, maybe, maybe I'm speaking out of turn, but it goes outside of the realm of what you're taught because, you know, once, mm-hmm. you know, once life leaves the body, that's kind of where your job ends and kind of to your point, the, the need for the great physician, but, um, in your role, is it heart? Is it your faith that an understanding of scripture that just helps you take on your role as a doctor in a different way and, and understand death differently than maybe some other doctors because you understand that there is an eternity on the other side? There, there's no doubt that you think about life differently um, as a um, believing physician. Um, I, you think about those things. However, the way that we treat objective medical conditions, the way that I treat it, which I hope I do the right thing for every person, it really should look no different than my unbelieving colleagues treating the same condition. Um, because I have an advanced copy of the questions that you'll be asking me, I'm actually going to address some of that a bit later too. <laughs> okay. Okay. No, that works. Um, and and you you know you make a very interesting distinction because this is where you know the phys- because our our bodies do break down just because we have sin in our life and and you know some things are you know just because of the natural cause of things it's not as if oh I lied therefore I have this disease necessarily right mm-hmm. but it's just the natural state of humanity um, in which you're talking and just how how sin is in the world and that's just a natural cause and effect of that. Um, but whenever you're, you know, you're going through and you're thinking about, you know, the resurrection uh, of Jesus and you think about your role in this grand scheme of things, how do you see God working in your practice? And if you if you treat somebody the same mm-hmm. as if believer or unbeliever, right, you treat their condition regardless, you, you know, you have the Hippocratic Oath, mm-hmm. you do your job and you do it well. Um, how do you see or maybe the better question is, do you see things in your practice that happen, you say, yep, that's, that's God working. That's a God thing. That's not a medical thing. Mm-hmm. Well, I do, but not in the sense that, um, 
that you might think based on the the way that you asked that question. Um, but I don't see God as absent um, at all. Yeah. I don't see my line of work as, but also I, I don't see my line of work as simply people healing people. I see God as active as if he were performing miracles on every patient. Uh, it's true, people do the work, but it's God who gives the ability and more importantly, specifically placed each worker in their role to fulfill. So it's God who gives, God who equips, and God who places us. Therefore, he gets the credit, and I see him at work every day. So um, do you think it's, you know, sometimes I think mm-hmm. a big misconception that some people may have when they think about doctors and uh, the medical profession, they they say, well, they're playing God, which in your case, you know, the way you describe it, it's not that you're playing God, is that you're using only the gifts that God has given you, and you do not see mm-hmm. yourself as an equal, but only as a tool, as a servant. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, God, um, uh, you know, God gave... Well, let's start with, uh, I guess, the the beginning of antibiotics when penicillin was invented. Um, God gave the resources and the intellect to use the resources to make an antibiotic to save people from dangerous infections. Um, Now, people people who take credit for such things – Uh, do so wrongly because we have (laughs) no ability apart from him. Uh, He's the one that gives us um, resources and intellect um, and creativity. Uh, The the fact that we are creative beings is a sign of a creator. Um, God is inherently a creative being. Mm. And one way that we glorify him and maybe – to uh, maybe to their surprise, even non-believers glorify God by being creative beings. Mm. Uh, they point to His creativity, even when even when they don't give Him the glory He deserves. Uh, when they are creative, they are pointing to a Creator. Um, so I, uh, yeah. So that that's that's kind of a. a I'll, I'll stick with. I'll make it brief. That's that's, that's kind of <laughs> how I view that that aspect. Yeah. No, I think that that's very well put and and very well said. And you know, I think it's fascinating the way you, some of the details that you just you've brought about just by talking about um, what you do and how you do, and even whenever you were just thinking through this the section of scripture and even alluding to Luke mm-hmm. and the fact that Luke has an account of the gospel as well. I mean, you you know, he's one of the four, and as a as a doctor and a physician and a historian, for him to account for the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus only continues to affirm where kind of medicine fits in all that and that they can coexist and that they, they can be one together. You know, there's obviously this other misconception that science and medicine and, and you know, belief and understanding about God cannot coexist, but as as it's proven scripturally, historically, and through your discussion with me today, they are cohesive. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've, I've I find it to, or I, I have found it to be um, a, a privilege to, and to um, I guess to to have a an understanding of, of how the the body works just through my just through going to 
school, mm-hmm. I, I find it fascinating that that the the more pe- that people learn uh, about what what is taught in in medical school specifically, how 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 you you can get through that and not think mm-hmm. about the Creator, not think about the Creator God. Uh, it's really really fascinating um, to and perplexing to think just just even think that. <laughs> That something like the human body and, and all its functions and how it develops from uh, from a single-celled organism at conception um, mm-hmm. and how that develops into billions and trillions of cells that are all functioning in a cohesive, goal-oriented manner um, to um, develop into a more mature human being. Um, how how knowing knowing the intricacies knowing the the cellular level so to speak of that process um gosh i just i, I mean I, I can't help but think man there there's a intelligent design here without question no, how I, could this happen by chance i i could not agree more i mean you've obviously spent way more time in school than i did uh, i got my degree in psychology so i spent all of my time learning about the brain and synapses mm-hmm. firing and just the detailed intricacy of just the brain and I'm I'm the same way. I, oh, I, I learn about these things and think there is no way this is by chance. And then the fact that every brain is different, just like every body is different, that it's mm-hmm. not randomly, oh, you are uniquely and beautifully made, as Scripture has said. And so, you know, it's so interesting to think about, you know, so many people, you know, when it comes to processing the fact that Jesus could – overcome death and have victory over death to ascend next to the father in heaven but by looking at things that we can't even comprehend like you know i have a somewhat understanding of the brain you have a strong understanding of of the body and even us still just can't wrap our minds around what we read and what we see because Mm -hmm. it's so amazingly woven together that to not believe in in what the the scripture is is telling us and to not believe that Jesus could be and was powerful enough to overcome death just as he said he was going to do is almost more audacious than than being on the other you know being on the <laughs> other side right you know because you're like man mm-hmm. this is so amazing of course he could do this <laughs> of course he could overcome death <laughs> do you see what i've seen and there's so much more beyond that. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. So I don't know if there's uh, – you know, I, I know you know, we're, we're quick on time here, but I did want to get to this, this last question. So at Christ Community, um, our church, we, we believe um, in living outside the walls. I mean that is one of our, mm-hmm. our staples. You know, we truly believe in living in our community, learning our community, and, and spreading the gospel through word and deed and everything that we do. And every every Sunday we you know we share we have someone who shares their story they give a testimony because it's important for people to understand who you know what makes up this body and there's someone sitting in the 
in the seats who may be experiencing the same thing. And so we're called to go out. And as a matter of fact, in John chapter 20, just past the section that we read in, in verse 21, it says, Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. And as the father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And he, he sends he sends his disciples out and says, I want you to go. And, you know, throughout Scripture, you, you see the call of the um, the Great Commission to our lives. Um, so how do you, um, Dr. Brad Buckingham, how do you go out in, mm-hmm. in your everyday life? What does that look like? It doesn't have to be how do you go out in your career, but how do you choose to go out? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I've, I've thought about this one a lot. Um, and I would say that now this is going to be nuanced, um, and I'm going to get to the I'm going to get to the 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 meat of the question. Mm-hmm. Um, but I used to think that um, the most noble Christian physician is one who prays with every patient. But I can tell you that in the line of emergency medicine work, it's just not possible. Mm. And this might sound surprising to hear me say this, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, early on in my career, when I was realizing this fact, uh, which is the fact that the emergency department can be chaotic <laughs> and every <laughs> second matters, uh, it was a real downer for me, honestly. Um, the job I imagined before I got into it was utopian. It just it doesn't exist. It wasn't realistic. Um, so what does that mean, and what does God want of the Christian worker in general? Uh, well, I've read a lot over the last few years, which, by the way, is both encouraging and discouraging. It's encouraging because, hey, I'm reading a lot and learning a lot. Mm. But it's discouraging because I've never been busier in my life. <laughs> I have a full-time job, a wife, two mm-hmm. kids, another on the way, uh, in the process uh, of having a house built, and yet I've never read more in my life. So what in the world did I do with all that free time I had as a single student? <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> um, if I could if I could send myself a text message, um, <laughs> if I could send my my middle and high school self a text message, what would I say? But anyway, uh, so most of what I've read in recent years falls under the theological nonfiction category. And one of the most helpful books I've read in the past two years is a book by Gene Edward Veith. It's called God at Work. Mm. It's published by Crossway. And in it, Veith presents the topic of vocation better than any other piece I've read. And I don't want to turn this into a book discussion, so it'll suffice to just say that any listener of this podcast who has a job or is a spouse, parent, grandparent, child, brother, sister, whoever would benefit from reading that book. Um, And it's accessible. It's not at all um, overly theological or wordy. But anyway, but an overall life view that I've taken from his book is that I have many different vocations or callings in life. I'm a Christian, a husband, a father, a worker, a church member, a neighbor, a friend, and so on. And every position we are in in life is a God-ordained calling. When I'm at home, the holiest thing I can do is serve my wife and my kids to the glory of God. When I'm at work, it would be sinful of me to resent work and grumble that I could be at home doing something holier, like Bible study. Mm. Rather, the holiest thing I can do is fulfill this particular calling to the glory of God doing, during these 12 hours I have on shift. Um, it's, so um, back to the, the beginning of my response to this question, 
it is a wonderful thing to summon the power of God by praying. Uh, I once heard a quote that was something to the effect of, the devil isn't afraid of any amount of Bible studies or church community group gatherings or service projects, but he shudders when God's people's when God's people pray. Um, I think about that quote quite a bit. Um, I think it is obviously a good thing to be mindful of opportunities to pray with patients and their families. But to put it frankly, when you are in an hour of great need, you are looking for somebody to just do the right thing, Mm. administer the right medication, perform the right test. In an hour of great physical need, you're looking for a good doctor. That's what you're looking for. Mm -hmm. And it's not that God doesn't do the healing. Going back to, to what I mentioned earlier. Uh, just because it's not a so-called miraculous healing doesn't mean God isn't there. God heals people by ordaining workers to perform the work. Mm -hmm. In the ER, time is the most important factor that you have to deal with, without question. If I have time and opportunity to pray with a patient and their family, uh, I hope that I'm faithful to the Spirit's leading in that moment. But I know that if I pray with every patient, that will surely delay the care of others who are seeking treatment, and that would not be serving them well. In my vocation, the holiest thing I can do is care for as many patients as as I safely can and try to do the right thing for everybody. And so if you needed – let's say you needed an architect. You were going to build a new house or you were going to construct a a business – uh, and you needed a building for your business, for your business, you'd want an architect to do it right. Of course, a Christian architect who is the best at his or her craft would be great, but if you had to choose between a great non-Christian architect or a bad Christian architect, you'd absolutely choose the better architect. So there should actually be little difference in a high-performing non-Christian worker and a high-performing Christian worker. You should get an excellent product from each of these workers, and their bosses should be equally satisfied with their work. But the manner in which a Christian worker works should stand out in a world like ours without question. Anyone who possesses the fruit of the Spirit will will inevitably stand out in our world. And every day that I work, before I go in, I pray and ask God to help me do the right thing for every patient and to help me be humble, gentle, patient, kind, self-controlled, loving, and compassionate. Those traits really stand out in this world, and it gives opportunities to engage in spiritual conversations when people are like, hey, something's different about you. What's the reason for why you do this the way you do it? Mm-hmm. And I I had basically, I had essentially those exact words spoken to me one day, uh, probably a few months ago, by a patient's husband. So I got to tell them, it's Jesus and the Holy Spirit in me who is responsible for anything that I do that seems good or praiseworthy. And there, I think there would be much less opportunity for spiritual discussion if I prayed with every patient but was bad at my job. Hmm. I think the same would be true for any worker. That's that's actually very, very well – first of all, very well said. Um, and it's beautiful that you, you kind of tied it all together with um, – you you eventually are shown as set apart you know we this whole series um started out the year in romans and the first series we discuss is that we are set apart beings and so how how do we look different because if we don't there is a problem 
And so, you know, you have this discussion that, you know, anybody can open the door for somebody else. Anybody can serve in a food kitchen, whether you're a Christian or not. Anybody can donate mm-hmm. and be a part of um, maybe a Habitat for Humanity or, or some type of service project like you were talking about. But the way in which it's done and the things that the believer does and the way a believer acts in that process can be shown through in a light that is different. And, mm-hmm. you know, to your point, those opportunities God will use um, to allow you to go out and to to let the world know, you know, who we serve. And so I think that was that was very well, well said and well done. And I think it's very interesting um, how you were able to to kind of tie that into to your vocation and into your your daily living, because, you know, that's a very good point. You know, we have a responsibility. Our job is is a is a blessing to have one at all. Right. I mean, that mm-hmm. is that is something that we should be thankful for, regardless of circumstances to, to have one is the ability to provide for your family, which is what one of the things God has called us to do, you know, to be able to have financial um, sustenance, which God has said to be good stewards of that and how we do things with the things that have come from our vocation and from our job allow us to show who we are at a much deeper level. And so I think that was very well said. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, that being said, I I love how this chapter of John chapter 20 really closes up. You have this section where these people go to the tomb. They, they find out Jesus is gone. They're so confused. They're absolutely just bewildered. Uh, Mary Magdalene sees who she thinks is a gardener and, and it's like, Hey, what did you do with (laughs) Jesus? And then she realizes, Oh my goodness, Jesus reveals himself to her. And then, you know, over time in the same chapter, it's it's one of those moments where where Jesus said, I am now sending you. He's saying he, he's like, now go. And and after he breathes the Holy Spirit on them, they, they go. And can you imagine they were able to physically with their eyes see a risen savior? And for them mm-hmm. to be able to take what they just experienced and witnessed which they said, I don't understand, for him to say, hey, mm-hmm. go out and go tell everybody about what you did not understand. And <laughs> and and there's something so beautiful about that because you know they go and, and they are exa- and do exactly what he had called them to do. And, and it's right after he has appeared to them. I mean, if I was, you know, in my head, I'm thinking, man, I just want to hang out with this guy. He just conquered death. I have so many questions. And he's like, hey, uh-huh. we have a job to do. And, you know, that yeah. job, you, you know, we will be together again. And, you know, we will be in, in eternity together. But for right now, you have a job to do. And here's what I want you to do. So let's go out and go do it. And there's something beautiful about that. And, you know, the way Jesus reveals himself to to his disciples to mary magdalene and then obviously throughout scripture he reveals himself more and then ascends and you know it's, it's a beautiful thing and you know the first thought that so many people have or first difficulty that people have is well how can someone how can a human being overcome death and you stop him right there and say well he was no he ordinary human being you know he mm-hmm. was he was perfect and for a, a physician in your position, sorry to rhyme Dr. Seuss style there. Um, <laughs> nice, nice. But but for for you know you to understand and know where your role fits and know that yes there is a a line, a physical line of of death that 
for us as as humanity, as us human beings, we will cross that line. And, you know, Jesus can cross that line and, and do as he pleases because he did not he did not have sin in his body and he had the power of God, which is so much more than mm-hmm. we could ever understand. Just like they could not understand what just happened. But the fact of the matter is that it did happen. And that's the beauty of it. So many people feel like they have to be able to understand everything. Mm-hmm. And that's not that going so to happen. True. And that's not going to happen. But even then, they saw him. They still didn't comprehend and understand it, but they went because they knew the truth. And, mm-hmm. you know, we have that responsibility as well. Is, you know, when we're out there every day in our mission field, living our life for God, and someone's. We're not going to be able to describe everything perfectly. We're not going to be able to have all of the answers. But when you know the person that is in control, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay to go and say, hey, you know what? I don't have the answer for you, but I can tell you I will get it for you. I'm not perfect, but I serve the Lord who is. And the one who is is the one who conquered death. And the ability to to say, you know, I don't understand everything. But what I do understand points me right to the cross. It points me right to the truth. And there's there's just something beautiful about that, that it's – it's yes, science is good and medicine is good. And all of these things are all work together and allowing for God's will to be, be shown, for God's glory to be, to be lifted up. And, and yet we are still able to have the conversation about a, a man who conquered death, who came back and is preparing a place for us. And, man, that is a, an exciting story to get to tell. Man, it really is. And, gosh, I, I remember I, I used to be in, and I still, I still do this, um, but um, I used to do it more so. I used to be so worried that I didn't have all the answers, like all the answers in Scripture mm-hmm. to um, all skeptics questions. Um, but man, it is so freeing. It is so freeing to humbly say, look, I don't have the answers. Um, I don't know that one, but I, I know, I know the God who has all the answers. Right. Right. <laughs> um, and, uh, man, I, when you were, when you were talking just now, I was thinking there, there is when you're, when you're in, uh, in a, I like to say a spirit of prayer, you know what does what does Paul mean really mean when he says um, pray without ceasing? I mean, it doesn't mean you're you're uh, you, you never leave the house. What does that mean? It right. means you're in a spirit of prayer. It means you're you're just you're in a spirit of prayer at all times. Um, and so when you're in a when you're praying without ceasing, living in a um, living in an attitude of of constant prayer and and um, and and uh, trying to glean the Holy Spirit's uh, leading, it reminds me there is no magic formula to to how God works. He doesn't prescribe the same salvation story for everybody. Absolutely. And, yeah. and so there's no magic formula to, to how you uh, share God's truth with people. Mm-hmm. Um, and a couple, couple of things that I think about are St. Francis of Assisi is attributed uh He's attributed a very famous quote, um, preach the gospel at all times and when necessary, use words. Well, there's a lot of critics of that that say, well, of course you have to use words. <laughs> how can how can one hear if one is not uh, speaking to him? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I get that. Totally, I get that. Um, but there's, like I said, there's no magic formula and there's a 
there's a book that um, it's called The Gospel Comes with a House Key. It's by Rosaria Butterfield. I believe that's who it's by. Um, and she notes how she was a very liberal professor at a university and um, atheist, uh, atheist liberal. And she developed a friendship with um, uh, the pastor of a church and his wife, and they would simply invite her over to their house. And and she said that they were just friends, and we we were, um, you know, we would have. I think it was maybe Sunday evening dinners. Um, I'm going to get some of these details mixed up, but <laughs> she said it didn't. Our friendship uh, and these weekly meals together did not start with. They presented clear gospel um, story to me um, right from the get go. Um, so that was, you know, that was her. And she eventually came to know the Lord, but I think it was quite a while after these um, uh, these regular dinners commenced. And so that was the that was the salvation story that was prescribed to her. And so again, it, this is this comes back to there's no magic formula, but being in tune with the Spirit, so to speak, by having a by having a an attitude of prayer, then the devil shudders. The devil shudders when we pray. He, we can we can scheme and plan and and have Bible studies and service projects all we want, but but prayer there, prayer is the work. Prayer is how is how these things happen. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, just to wrap things up again, thank you so much for being on with us um, today and for fielding these questions. Which I know the the first one, you know, like you said, deep questions. No softballs here. This is not a halftime, <laughs> the halftime adjustment question during a, a basketball game. Um, but you know, right. these are these are these are questions that that people have. These are thoughts that people think and. You know, I think it's important to shed light on those stereotypes that live out there. Um, and when we're dealing with such a heavy topic, right, Scripture in and of itself is a, is a heavy thing. It is understanding the weight of what Scripture is 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 intense. And, you know, you mm-hmm. go through and, you know, from cover to cover, there's so many things. And none of this is – none of this matters without this very section, Right, none of this matters if Jesus doesn't come back from the dead. It all becomes mm-hmm. ir- irrelevant. Mm-hmm. But the fact of the matter is that he does, and it, mm-hmm. it and being able to hear people in the medical field, in the you know, I love Lee Strobel's story about coming from a journalist background and a law background where he was convinced that he was going to prove that this was a bunch of garbage. And you have people from all different walks of life. It's not an accident with all the different levels of intelligence that these people all come to the same conclusion is that it happened and that Jesus is real and that God is real and that this is what the catalyst of all that we believe and know and can be excited about. This is the catalyst of our hope. This is the the foundation of all of the truth resting on Jesus's death, burial, and resurrection. And so to be able mm-hmm. to, to answer these questions and to think on these questions begins to, to make some of these other things as we go through scripture, like, man, this, you know, I mean, I get, you know, this is, this makes sense that this could happen. I mean, he beat death. So, this makes this a little bit easier to understand. I still don't comprehend it all, but I understand that. Yeah. And because I understand that, I can have faith and I can trust because my trust is in the one who 
who came to to save me. And so um, with those final thoughts, and we will be back next week with another interview, another section of scripture as we continue to dive into um, these things that that get us thinking about um, what we hear on Sunday mornings and thinking about it every single day, melding on the word of God, thinking about it, you know, as as our guest today, Brad has said a few times is that, you know, being in a spirit of prayer and being focused on him is, is what changes us and and allows that sanctification process for us to become closer with him every single day and so um hopefully you enjoyed this conversation and we'll, we'll have another one next week brad thank you so much and definitely safe travels as you head back home to lexington um and with that i will i will let you have the rest of your evening back thanks daniel thanks for having me on all right good stuff thank you so much